Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Luke, which is the third book in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible is kind of split into two halves or two parts. There's the Old Testament, which is before the story of Jesus. Then there's the New Testament that starts with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they record the life of Jesus. So we're going to be in in, uh, the third book in the New Testament, which is Luke. It actually is kind of toward the end of a paper Bible, and uh, a lot of us use our phones to look up Scripture. You can do either way. To get us started, opening thought, it happened to me the other day. I had feared that this might happen to me at some point, and it happened. I went into the Quick Mart, prepaid for my gas, went out, got in my car, drove away, never pumped the gas. (laughs) Such a loser. I don't, I don't share that to get sympathy. I share that to get prayer. <laughs> There's actually a point to the story that's not that point. That's, that's not the point of the story. The point is in a little bit. So just a little context. I was in a little bit of a hurry. I was here at the office, and then I needed to go over to the Meyer store, which is over that way, and uh, to get some groceries. And on my way there, of course, I looked down. I thought, oh, I'm about on empty. So I thought, I'll whip in here, get some gas before I go to the grocery store. So that's, you know, whipped in there, went in. $30 on pump number 12 or something like that. Thanks so much. Ran out. (laughs) (laughs) Went into the grocery store to get my groceries. I think it was about aisle 14 where I went, ah, dang it. I never pumped the gas. I went ahead and got the rest of my groceries. It was probably about a half hour later. Back out, put the groceries in the car. Have you ever prayed for like a miracle? (laughs) Like, turn on the key. Okay, yeah, I totally did forget to pump it. Still on empty. So I still need gas. So I went right back out to the same quick mart, pull in, run inside. I don't have as much money as I used to. So I said $20 on pump whatever. And they did that. And then the the guy behind the counter, I just was kind of struck up a little mumbly conversation. I said, I was actually in here a half hour ago. I already paid for gas, and I forgot to pump it. And and this is part of the story. And he said, oh, you're the guy. And then he turned around. He said, I have your money right back here. Oh. And that was... And I thought, you are the best quick mark guy in the whole universe. And I use that as an example of an exceptional human being or person. Does that make sense? How many of you know my mind didn't think, oh, surely somebody will save the money, right? I was done with that $30. I leapt across the counter, hugged him. No, I didn't do that part. That was a lie. Everything up to that part was the truth. Uh, So we're going to talk today about the concept of being exceptional. Because that was an exceptional, quick-marked guy. 
young man. Uh, definition will come up on the screen. Exceptional. Beyond typical, unusually good, or even outstanding. And with that definition on the screen, I would say that exceptional moments, exceptional people make our world way better. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. Some of us work in office settings or manufacturing settings. Wherever you're at, there is likely a person on your team that's exceptional. And you know, if, they, if they're not there, they, they're like the glue that keeps stuff all together because they're exceptional. Emotionally, people that are exceptional, emotionally, they're the ones that make our day. They smile, they're encouraging, they're attentive. It helps give us traction for moving forward. They are super helpful to us. Some of you, you've had those exceptional moments. Remember that one time when you made that really, really, really good financial decision? Some of you are like, I don't know, you lost me. I'm like, no, no, just pretend. Everybody just pretend that one time when you made that... And how much impact that had on your life. Because it was like a really good financial move. Um, or relationally, when you were exceptional relationally. And you forgave that good friend of yours. Even though it was hard. And had you not done that, that relationship would have been over. Or maybe it's your marriage where you were exceptional and you forgave or you were exceptionally attentive or you or all those things those are the things that make life better this absolutely applies to our spiritual lives and i want to insert here we many of us are aware we serve an exceptional god amen he is an exceptional god first samuel 2 2 says of God, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no rock like our God. God is exceptional. I thought about the gospel. If you don't know the gospel, the gospel is simply the reality that we and human beings are sinful. We have done stupid, sinful, hurtful things with many moments in our lives. We have ignored God for days at a time or weeks at a time or years of... And that is wrong and sinful. We ought to honor the God who gave us life. So we do all these things, and you would think it would make sense that the Lord would just say, I am done with you. But instead of being done with us, he sent his son to die for us. Think about that. That's exceptional. And I think about Easter. God is exceptional. When he rose, Jesus from raised him from the dead that's exceptional and then i even think a little bit even the fact that he waited three days to raise him from the dead is exceptional if it'd been three minutes how many of you know be like i don't know maybe he really wasn't dead three hours i don't know every once in a while you hear about someone coming back three days oh no no he was dead dead that's like real dead that's like rigor mortis dead 
That body hadn't breathed in three days. That's like deteriorating body dead. And God, through his power, this is what we celebrate. God, on Easter, through his power, came and said, y'all think I can't do that? Watch this. Raise him from the grave. God is exceptional. So hold that thought. This Easter, we're going to explore an exceptional response that we see in the resurrection story. It's going to focus a lot on a guy named Peter. Uh, let me give you background, simple background on this text in Luke 24. It's one of the resurrection accounts of the morning where Jesus rose from the grave. Uh, God has sent his son. Jesus did three years of ministry. He taught, he healed, he corrected, he challenged, he did everything perfectly, he lived a sinless life. Ultimately, he uh, endured beating and a horrible death on a cross, and he's been laid in a tomb. Big old rocks been put over the tomb. Everybody thinks he's dead, and then on this morning, here's what happens. Verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They're going to just honor Christ. They're going to do something for the, they're going to, you know, help to embalm him, if you will. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I'll sum up a few verses. A couple angels show up, scare the ladies like a lot. But then bring good news in verse 5. The angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And now we're going to bounce to verse 9, which is the meat of our text we're going to learn from. The, uh, the women go back to the disciples, a bunch of followers of Jesus and here's what they say. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. That's the core of Jesus' followers, the closest to him. Uh, they told all these things to the, to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they, that's the guys, the group of men, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The next two words are why we picked, I picked this text to talk about. It says, Peter, however, everybody say, Peter, however. Peter, however, he's the exceptional one in the story, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. title of the talk is Peter's Exceptional Response to the Resurrection. Basically, I want to answer the question, what did Peter do that was exceptional? By the way, the application for this is for those of us who would like to live exceptionally, especially in our spiritual life. And I think most of us on our good days, we don't want to just do what everybody's doing. Amen? Is that right? 
All right, so let's pray. God, will you tap in to the best of us when we want to rise above? Give us some very practical things that we can do, especially will you apply this to our spiritual lives? Be our teacher, God. Take us where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text. The first one is, Peter was exceptional because he resisted the, if you want to write something in, the nonsense narrative. The nonsense narrative. That'll make sense in a minute. Makes sense, the nonsense. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about most of them dismiss the story of the resurrection because it didn't make sense to them. It says in verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Then it goes on, Peter, however, he does something else. So here's what I think is happening here. The women come back. They've had this authentic, real experience, right? They're not making this up. It really happened. But they come back to these guys who, over the last few days, they've seen some things. They watched Jesus get whipped and beaten to being almost dead, even before they crucified him. But then they crucify him. They watch him on the cross die. Then after he's already dead, if you know the story, a soldier comes up just to make sure he's dead, takes a spear, shoves it up into his side, into his heart. So now Jesus is not just dead. He's like double dead. Comes down. They take him off the cross, go put him in a tomb. By the way, they put him in a tomb that had such a big stone that at one point in one of the other stories, the people are going to go there. They're worried about how are we going to move that big old rock? right? So that's where these guys are at. And then the women come and they begin to tell their story to the guys. And they say, I don't know, the stone was moved and the tomb is open and the body is gone. I wonder if at this point the disciples are like, okay, I'm with you. What? Oh, I guess maybe somebody could have taken the body. I'm with you. But then they go on and maybe it was at the point where they say, and there were two angels there. But at some point the disciples go, okay, wait, 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 you lost me. Because even the angels thing, disciples of Jesus did not have, I can't think of a time in the Gospels where they like regularly encountered angels. That would have been like, wait, hold on a minute. For whatever reason, that's when they go, I was with you, but I don't buy it. Now, have you ever been there in life where someone's telling you a story and you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with you, okay. <laughs> and then you go, now nah, you're, you're nuts. That didn't. I'm not sure what you're talking about, but you lost me with the last turn. That's what's going on here. But it's noteworthy, and this will just be on the screen, that Peter doesn't quickly call the confusing, because their story's kind of confusing. You got to give them that. Like, okay, how did that all happen? But he doesn't call the confusing crazy. And the point here is that he doesn't dismiss it. Because as soon as you identify something as crazy, you're done with it. I think. Right? Because that's nuts. That, if we get there, we invite tragedy into our life regarding our decisions. When we start to go, ah, that's crazy, and we dismiss things too quickly, especially in our spiritual lives, because here's a truth. You can write this in. 
God, here's the reality, God often does things that are initially confusing. You can write that down. Initially confusing. Does that make sense? Anybody ever had anything where you're like, okay, wait, okay, I'm with you, God. Okay, wait, I don't, why? I don't get this, God, why? Sometimes it's very personal things. Uh, a lot of you know my story. When I, I became a Christian when I was 20 years old, I tell my story uh, pretty frequently. Uh, I grew up thinking I was a Christian because I was an American. I wasn't, I wasn't very bright. I'd drive away from gas stations after I've already paid for the gas. But, but I just thought, well, I'm an American. It's kind of a Christian country, and then I just, the only religious I'm, I'm a Christian. But I, I was at church, and I was sitting over. If it would have been in this church, it would have been over in this area. Right there by Mary Gimmer. It would have been right about there. And uh, the pastor was talking about God and Jesus and stuff. I wasn't paying attention much, just like some of you right now. But at the end, he did what we would call an altar call, and he invited people to come forward and pray. And I don't know exactly how God does this, but I knew in my soul I was supposed to go up there. My heart was beating, and I'm like, what is going on? And I knew he was asking me to go from my chair. It was 30 feet. And you know what I began to do? I began thinking, this, uh-uh, this is nonsense. Are you kidding me? I began to think of rational reasons. Well, there's no, this doesn't make sense. God, if you would like me to do something, I can pray from this seat. I do know about you that you're everywhere. And I began to walk through this mental process of, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not doing And you know, and so guess what I did? I didn't go up front. Two weeks later, though, same thing happened to me. I was probably in the same pew at the church. And that time, I submitted to it, even though I didn't know what was going on, and I moved 30 feet, changed my life. Changed my life. I ended up praying, I'll just finish this, I ended up, I'll just tell you. So, I went up front, and a, a gentleman who was trying to help me spiritually came up, and he said, so Mark, why did you come up? And he said, well, what can I pray for? And I lied to him. I said, well, I came up to pray for my parents. <laughs> it's a total lie. <laughs> he said, oh. But then right before he, because he was going to pray for my parents, right before he prayed for my parents, I, I looked toward him and I said, and by, by the way, while we're up here, maybe you could pray for me. First time in my entire life I ever asked anyone to pray for me. Changed my life. Because I was an arrogant, self-centered, self-sufficient snot. And when I confessed to him and to the Lord, I need help. Changed my life. I became a Christian. By the way, I became a Christian. I already thought I was a Christian I didn't really know what I was doing up there, so it was all a little bit confusing. But when I pressed through and did what I thought, it made all the difference. We cannot get stopped. We, we make huge mistakes when things get a little confusing and we just disengage and go, I'm not, 
God often does things that are initially confusing. The gospel where Jesus would come and pay the price for our sin makes no sense. We are not that great. And yet somewhere in there, he loves us enough. Is that nuts? That's confusing. Some of you think, oh, no, I'm really special. You ain't that special. (laughs) Right? We have screwed up, ignored God. How many times have you taken God's name in vain? Let's just ask. (laughs) Some of you did it this morning because you couldn't find your Easter thing. Right? How many times have you done that? How many times have you blamed God? Right? Why would God send his son to us to save us? That's confusing, but it's true. By the way, I'm, I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. By the way, just because something is confusing doesn't mean it's not true. That just means we can't comprehend it. I mean, that's, re, that's just so you know, no matter how smart we think we are, when we get in the presence of God, we're still idiots. I just called you all idiots. Me too. But that's reality. Okay, I'll get back to my notes. Uh, Jesus' ministry was often confusing. John chapter 9, one of my favorite stories, but it's a little weird. There's a man who's been blind, I think from birth. He He wants to be able to see. And so here's Jesus' plan. Jesus was a healer, and his plan for medical attention at this point is he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Oh, that makes no sense. He can't see. Well, I'll make it better. I'll put dirt in your eyes. That makes things worse, right? But it doesn't. And if that guy dismisses Jesus' direction as nonsense, he never gets the miracle. So let's bring this idea into the room. Here's, here's the, the, the application. Am I too quick to dismiss? Pause and think about yourself. You can write that down. Am I too quick to dismiss? Am I too quick to dismiss? Especially spiritual things. And then the big idea is quit doing that. Just <laughs> quit doing that. I get it that it's easier sometimes because God sometimes is confusing and we think, why didn't you do that, God? Or why did you do that? And, but can I just try to get really practical? I think maybe it's easier to spend our whole life going, I don't know, God's kind of hard. I don't understand how the prayer thing works sometimes. Why doesn't it work? It is easier to just go, okay, that's confusing. I'm going to spend my life watching Netflix because that's just easier Uh Uh-oh, someone got mad because now I'm pushing on Netflix. (laughs) Don't be that. If you want to be exceptional, we have to lean into some things that, that do not make perfect sense. And Netflix too often is just a... It's easy, but it's not where we... It won't get us where we really want to be. So Peter was exceptional because he resisted the nonsense narrative... Got to come back to something, I'm pretty sure. Second idea is he was exceptional because he engaged with some urgency. With some urgency. We're going to see in verse 12, he got up and he ran. If you want to write down some urgency. Urgency. 
And then there it is, he ran. Just a fun side question. When was the last time you ran? <laughs> there's some young people like, well, I just ran yesterday. And then there's a bunch of us going, well, hootie tootie de yootie. <laughs> so happy for your young legs. But for others, we're like, we just pulled a muscle thinking about running. We're like, ouch. When's the last time you ran? Then to dig in a little more, when's the last time, this is the better question, when's the last time you ran spiritually? The last time you knew there was something that was worth your urgent attention? By the way, this word run, when Peter ran, this is the word in the original language, which was Greek when it was originally written down. It means to run, exercise myself, make progress, advance speedily. And then I like this part. This added more color to the, uh, to the uh, definition. It's like an athlete moving forward with full effort and directed purpose. This is intentional, focused running. Anybody remember the old movie, Forrest Gump? That was not intentional running. Remember Forrest when he, we, we got some pictures. Remember at one point in the movie, it's an old movie, and, but at one point, even if you don't know about it, at one point the Forrest Gump character goes off his front porch and he just feels like taking a run. And here's some of the dialogue from the movie. It says, that day for no, for no particular reason. I decided to go for a little run. So I ran to the end of the road. And when I got there, I thought maybe I'd run to the end of town. And when I got there, I thought maybe I'd just run across Greenbow County. And I figured, since I run this far, maybe I'd just run across the great state of Alabama. And then here it goes on. I put this on the screen. And that's what I did. I ran clear across Alabama. And then I underlined this part. Here it says, for no particular reason, I just kept on going. Just to be clear, that's not what Peter's doing. He has a reason and a rationale for where he's going and why he's urgent about it. Uh, there's another verse that I think applies to this. It, used the same, it uses the same word, run. I think it uses the same word. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run, there's our word, in such a way as to get the prize. You and I have areas of our life that are prizes. The most important prizes in our life that we're running for have to do connected to God. They're, they're things that God's trying to do in your life. It's your, it's your character. It's your... It's there your covenants that you have in your life. There's your, the, the things you're trying to do to pass on to the next generation. It's your calling. It's those things that matter most. Those are the prizes. So the question is, are we running? Have we ever run? Are we still running for the most important things in life? The spiritual things in life. They never stop being worth running for. Fill in the blank. While many are wondering or wandering, Peter was running. And he was running with a focus. And that's exceptional. 
So this is just that great point, like in a talk, where we're all supposed to pause and evaluate life. Like, am I running for the right things? Just a side note, sometimes we run for things that are just not the right things. We get all animated and eager and aggressive about stuff that makes no eternal difference. God, will you help us have clarity on what to run toward and and what's worth dismissing. Like, it's okay. A couple questions and then a final fill in the blank. The first one is this. And they'll just come up on the screen. Am I running at all? (laughs) Am I running at all? This is for those of us. It's easy to get tired. Some of you are doing great, but it's easy to get tired sometimes. How many of you are parenting kids? Don't raise your hand because we don't want to be your friends. No, we really do. Right. The family stuff, like you're in the middle of, am am I still willing to be urgent about parenting my kids? Don't stop. Now, by the way, if they're 35, stop parenting them. Kick them out. Say, be gone. Sorry, I really shouldn't have said that, but it came to my brain. But, you know, be diligent, urgent about parenting your kids. Am I still running? Are you still running spiritually? Did you ever run spiritually? Have you been spiritually lazy your whole life? Today would be a great day to decide you're going to run towards something that will matter both in this life and in all eternity. So am I running at all? The second running question is, am I running toward God? I already addressed that. Are you running toward God? If you're going to be exceptional, following Jesus is not a lazy man sport. No way. You can play church a little bit and be, but if you're going to follow, if you're going to meet Christ, have the power of God in your life, make a difference, have eternal treasure, it is not a lazy man or woman's sport. Last fill in the blank is this, the exceptional run toward the resurrected Lord. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.